Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a glance at movies, television, comics, anime, and let you know if it's worth a second. And I am your host, Jeremy McKinley. And today we are talking about Dune, part one. So my reasons for seeing this one are pretty simple. Uh, Never read the books, but I love the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve. He's got a damn fine track record from Prisoners to Arrival to Blade Runner 2049. Everything he puts out probably ends up on my top 10 of the year list. Now to call this movie dense is an understatement. It has a multitude of houses vying for power, political backstabbing, a chosen one prophecy, spice mining on a desert planet filled with giant worms a quarter mile long, and a whole lot of Zendaya dreams. This is the kind of sci-fi that will not hold your hand. You will miss things whether those things go unexplained or dialogue be occasionally drowned out by the score by the one and only Hans Zimmer. There are moments where things are being told visually, like a shield being powered down. Now I've watched this scene in theaters and on HBO Max, and if I didn't have the closed captions subtitles on, I wouldn't have known what was happening. So. That's a bit of a knock against it. Now, I love me a good slow burn, and most of the time the pace works for me, but it does drag at points. And that's probably due to the fact that the main character, Paul, played by Timothy Charlemagne, has a lack of engagement with the plot. He makes very few important decisions in this film, and a lot of what gets him from A to B is him being told what to do by various other characters. There's a lot of waiting with him, and it becomes painfully apparent in the last 40 minutes of the movie. Now, Dune's strongest assets is its cast, visuals, and world building. Uh, The cast makes what could be considered serviceable dialogue sing, and there's a lot of less is more with these styles of acting. Uh, The tone of the movie is very grand and very serious, with the exception of Jason Momoa, who seems to be the only one aware that humor is still a thing. Next up, the visuals. I mean, what's there to say except they're fantastic. Uh, The use of practical locations really helped to sell the weight of the CGI effects when blended together. Big ships feel heavy. The anticipation of an incoming sandworm gives off Jurassic Park vibes as its movements can be felt from miles away, building up to its reveal. From the costume design to the dragonfly-like ship, the movie comes very strong with its eye candy. And last, but certainly not least, is the world building. I love when I'm thrown into the middle of an ongoing game and I'm tasked with having to figure out the rules and the stakes with no instruction manual in sight. For example, uh, they have these shields that practically everyone wears that are designed to stop all things moving at a high velocity. So bullets are a completely neutralized threat in this movie. This is never stated out loud. It's only hinted at by the fact that all mono mono warfare is done in close-up personal combat with blades. Now as we step over to my sidebar here, I want to talk about a fun fact involving those blades. The fighting style practiced by the House of Atreides is a little-known Filipino martial arts style called Balintawak Arnis, a style I've been training in now for the past three years, so it was fun seeing it get some cinematic love. It's a weapon-based style that utilizes machete-length blades in close quarters. Uh, Although we practice with sticks, it involves a lot of cutting, joint locks, and manipulation of opponent's body through leverage. Now that being said, the effectiveness of the shields I mentioned earlier are circumvented more often than not, and and before I even understood how the shields worked in the first place, which kind of made the shields feel pretty useless. Now 
this being part one of a two-part story, the movie does end in a somewhat unsatisfactory way. And at the time, I didn't know if part two would be greenlit. I wasn't sure how to fully feel about a potentially half-baked cake. But as I'm writing this review, the news of part two being greenlit has been confirmed, so I can rest easy knowing that I can invest my hopes in a soon-to-be-completed story. So all in all, this was a solid first half of a story, if not a bit bloated with that slow pace in the last act. Timothy Charlemagne is good as the lead character, but he just isn't given a lot to do, which makes him kind of a boring protagonist to follow. Now, the supporting characters definitely make up for it with great work from Oscar Isaacs, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, and Charlotte Rampling, to name a few. Along with great visuals and good world building, I'm going to have to give Dune Part 1 an 8 out of 10. Now, thank you for joining me for At First Glance. You can find us on the Podbean app, and you can find our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. I'm Jimmy McKinley, and thank you for joining me.